Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I got Adam Kukoff with me. He is the co-founder at Nutsola. Adam, how you doing? Hey, good. Jordan, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on and jump into this. So I want to get right away. One, give us like the 30 second, you know, what is Nutsola? And then I want to go back and kind of jump into this. I know you all did a Kickstarter, so I want to get into that whole Kickstarter world and what happened there. Yeah, Nutsola, we're a clean ingredient brand. We focus on products, clean ingredients, no added sugar. Everything we have is gluten-free, plant-based, and we have a variety of snacks from mixes to bites to nut-based products, and we just launched our uh, date sweetened chocolate this year. So we have a variety of snacks. You know, we think food is medicine, and that's kind of what we try to provide for all of our customers. So bring me back, right? I was reading on your site. You were eating too much dried fruit. You had a relative go like, hey, too much yeah. sugar. And then it kind of like had this epiphany to like, you know, make yeah. a mixed nut exactly. snack or what have you. What, what happened so, there? Yeah, so it was my dad. You know, I'd say my parents raised me like we always ate pretty clean. Like I never had fast food as a kid unless like I was going out for like soccer matches like with friends. Like we'd have that. But, you know, my dad was eating just a bunch of dried food, you know, as I was trying to be healthier. But my aunt goes, you know, like too much sugar. And like, yeah, too much of anything is like not good. So we started to mix nuts with the fruit. And then... That kind of developed into a mixture where it was like nuts, fruit, seeds, spices. And he was creating these these superfood mixes that he would eventually make fresh bars. And I would just pretty much eat it all day long. Like I'd bring a bag to my work. I would just snack on it. And the difference is like when you're eating something like sweet, like it should come from a fruit because there's there's fiber and you're not consuming added sugars and added sugars will just slow you down, spike your energy terms of the sugar and then you'll crash i mean this is like your typical energy drink that feeling you know so my dad you know had this really unique creation and one day in the kitchen he asked me do you want to go into business together i said yeah like let's do it like we have something really unique it was all about making these fresh bars from the mixes it was a really kind of crazy concept at first because our business now is completely different so when we first initially launched how old were you when that happened this was like 2014 we started making and then 2015, 16, I was about, say, 27, 28. And were you in CPG, in food? No way. I had no experience whatsoever. Like, I was working for a Japanese trading company. I had a sales channel. It was very old school. There was no e-commerce. Very different. <laughs> like, anything to do with the business. Yeah. So, yeah, going into this business, I mean, I had to learn everything on my own. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm reading a lot, trying to study other brands, you know, not even competitors, just like great e-commerce brands. But to go back into the story, we launched on Kickstarter. It was just this unique model where we had customers making fresh bars at home. We had a custom bar making kit, like a, a mold. They can mold like a perfect square. We had a custom dehydrator. We had a baking process with a, with a silicon mat that uh, they could just put in the oven and bake fresh bars. And it was, we got funded in like the second day. So the, the, uh, the whole Kickstarter period was just it was just a great way to launch a company when you really have nothing, like you don't have a website, you don't have packaging, you just have this product idea concept and you can get support at a really young stage. I like it. So you're there. So your dad, you guys come up with, you do the Kickstarter. Okay. Holy crap. We're funded. What happens next? Is it like a mad dash to make the product, the mats out? Like, give me that story then from that moment to, you know, now where you've got the variety of snacks and you've got, you know, different business channels. 
I mean, since it was so new to us, like it was just a crazy high saying like you had the support from friends, family, this whole new concept to us. Like we didn't really, you know, we didn't test it out enough. Like it was just like, okay, we have this great idea. It's like really unique. We ended up right after getting funded on the second day, we're like, okay, like people are excited about this. They're supporting our brand and I feel like we can grow. So next step was like creating packaging, like fully printed digital packaging. And our whole idea the first year was really just sample the product, like just get in consumers' hands. So basically just doing farmer's markets events pretty much the whole first year. And this was in 2019. So that summer, I was still working my other job and I ended up, it was just too much and I quit. And then I ended up going full-time into uh, Nutsola doing markets in New Jersey, um, Long Island. And then I ended up coming down to Miami and I was doing them here during the winter time. Cool. Awesome. And then it just evolves from there. Were you guys like full-time right away into the business or were you still working your other, you know, like how did that, I'm always curious when people start a business on like, do you jump in full tilt or did you half and half? What did that look like? Yeah, it was honestly kind of crazy because uh, I remember I was still working my last job and I used to travel a lot, but on days that like I didn't, yeah, I was traveling, I didn't have to go in the office. So I sometimes had a farmer's market the same day as I was traveling back from like, it could be a conference, it could be a meeting in a different, you know, like I was in Toronto, I remember. I had a fly back that same day, I had a market that later that day. So it was just chaos, like there, for having to manage like a different holder business and trying to grow your business at the same time. It was just impossible. So I said to myself, like, it's just time to move on from that and just go full time. So that chaos and being a founder. I want to talk a little bit about that. I think, not I think, I know. People have this idea that starting a company, starting a CPG company, they get, you know, maybe it's a couple beers with their buddies and they go, hey, we should do this thing and, you know, we'll make the next great whatever, right? And there's a big jump between I got idea and I actually got a co-packer and I created, or I got my own manufacturing and I created something. And then a big step from that to like, I got to not only get it on shelves, but get velocity. What has been something that maybe you would say to someone who wants to get into the CPG game as like, not like a, Hey, don't do this is way harder than you think. But what are some of those realities like, you know, when it comes to starting a business and kind of what I would say is maybe coming out of the clouds a little bit of, and coming into like, what is the real life, you know, day to day growing a CPG yeah, company. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, I think you also got to put into perspective, like when we started the business, it was right before COVID. So like our strategy was completely like just sampling the product, you know, so 2019 sampling. And then it was our first retailer and you're in like LA, like we launched at Erwin market in February of 2020. It was literally like weeks before the pandemic started. So we didn't sell it all into retail. I had no experience and our product was it was really unique. Like it, the packaging wasn't right, the size, the pricing, there were multiple things that wasn't going to work or scale. So, you know, sometimes you jump into it, not really knowing like what's best. And that's just, a, that's just a learning experience that I think any CPG founder is going to have unless they've had prior experience or they have people telling them, you know, we didn't have that. It was mostly us just figuring it out. Some of those costly mistakes, both emotionally and financially, when you like misprint some packaging or something. <laughs> like when you make mistakes, try to make them like smaller mistakes. That was, that's like our whole thing because, you know, we try to be as efficient as possible. So like with packaging, like you're doing digital packaging, you know, obviously it's more expensive, but like you can always do iterations. You're not buying plates. You're not doing like all these different things to, uh, you know, lock you in essentially. So now today, right? What is it? look like? What is your role? Has it expanded? Are you, you know, managing people? Is it, are you handling, you know, still 90% of the workload? Like what's the current status, I guess, of the org? 
Yeah, so my dad and I were we're partners. He does more manufacturing, logistics. You know, I focus more on marketing and sales, although he does a bunch of sales too. We have to have a you know put on a lot of hats, and uh, we try to outsource as much work as possible. Like we can't hire anyone full time. We have to be really lean. You know, if we're getting someone from email or for photography or you know using UGC from creators where you're not spending a lot. You know, you're giving free product. You know, I have people for packaging and you know, video content. And I'm outsourcing all this work from different parts of the world to really save costs. I love that because I think a lot of times companies get obsessed and founders get obsessed with like, um, for lack of a better term, they get in like a, a pissing match with companies down the road on headcount and I need more people and my creative department's bigger or I have this many people on staff. What's your headcount at? And it's just such a vanity metric. Yeah. I've never even thought of that, to be honest. That's great. That's like refreshing because I, I get on this, you know, with sometimes some people and I talk and it's like uh, you're at Expo West and everyone's kind of like trying to peacock and, you know, like, hey, we're yeah. so big and we can handle this giant nationwide Whole Foods rollout and what have you, which maybe they can't. I think it comes down to like, okay, in that scenario, like you're looking at production, like can your facility produce X amount for a big chain? Can you handle the velocity, you know, with that? We figured out all those things, but you don't need to have a big team for that. You just need to have a great co-packer and you have to have efficiencies with your production of the packaging, ingredient sourcing, cost. I mean, all those things really matter, but it should never be about how many people you have if you're trying to build a sustainable business. Like if you're, maybe if you're funded to a point, maybe you spend recklessly and like maybe your investors are okay with that just to build it as fast as possible, but that's not our style. Like we want to build a long, sustainable, profitable business, you know, with innovative products. Yeah. I love that mindset of taking a profitable first approach and to build a sustainable business and focusing on that instead of, because there is the flip side of that coin of go and raise $20 million and try to build something big. And I usually break businesses into two like categories and it's either you're a rocket or a car. So a rocket, <laughs> you know, rockets yeah, sometimes good. explode, but they got to get to space. And right. Where a car, you'll get from where, you know, point A to point B, but it'll take you a minute, but there's a pr pretty good chance you're going to get there. And a lot of people should be running cars, but they try to do the rocket, you know? That to me is like where I try to, like, I fully know my business is a car, you know? I'm like, I'm trying to be profit every quarter, grow sustainably, bring in partners. I'm not trying to like exactly hire 25 people. Especially in CPG, like with food products, like you just need extreme patience. Like even when you think it's extreme, it's probably even more extreme than that because you don't know how long it takes to perfect, first off, product, manufacturing, to build that relationship with the bigger retailers, you know, where you get that, you finally land that big account and that's when you can really grow and like scale. And like if you hit with that retailer, like other retailers are going to see that, they're going to pick you up and, you know, then it could be more like that rocket ship. But like until that point, you just have to be nimble you know, quick on your feet, make adjustments. At least that's, that's us. Because if you look at us as like, we're a small brand, but we have probably close to 25 SKUs. Like it's a lot of products, but they're all unique where, you know, no one's making these products. Like we're making it all ourselves and we can scale it with, you know, our co-packers and we have different types of manufacturers for different size packaging. It's just a, a creative way that you can give, say, your retailers and customers more options because sometimes you don't know which product's going to hit. And also that mindset gives you something that is very underestimated and that is like time. When you have patience, you buy yourself time and, and being able to survive like an economic downturn and not being like, oh, we blew through our entire, you know, we funded that we got all this money and we sponsored 
three things that went, you know, went left and now we have nothing, right? And we have to like recoup on that and we have investors pushing us in a direction, what have you. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's a, always been a scary thing for me to even think about invest like investors with us. You know, everything we've done, the bootstrap company completely. But when you have investors, like it scares me because I've heard horror stories. Like they, some of them want to speed things up as fast as possible. And if you don't do that, like what happens to your business? Like this is your baby. You know, you can't force something to succeed. It might take some time. But the investors really need to have patience with smaller brands, especially if they had no prior experience. There's a ton of learning that's involved. You know, if we were to take on investors, like it would just have to be the right value added partners. It have to truly understand what we're trying to build, where we want to improve the food industry as a whole and be a part of that, where we improve transparency ingredients, never putting added sugars, never hiding behind natural flavors. Like this is all a part of long term success of and health of every customer that buys our product. So, yeah, spot on. It's the difference between like when it comes to investing, at least the A and B tier investors, like A tiers push your existing mission and strategy forward and they believe in you. B tier investors pull you in the direction that they want to go. Right. And it's like finding those A investors is tough <laughs> when it comes down. Yeah, to I bet. But I want to talk, we talked a little bit off air and I want to talk about this idea of like, or ideas, just being a founder and your pounding pavement and what it can mean to you, you know, that I think a lot of people maybe don't understand the, what it means when somebody buys or yeah. shares on social. And I just want to talk about, I guess, like, what are some of the ways or things that like, maybe you've had moments where somebody's shared your product with a friend and had a story like a, and maybe it's not on the internet, but it's like a real life testimonial. You know, has there been any of those moments or maybe uh, there's been plenty where you've just kind of been like, whoa, we're doing the right thing. For sure. Well, I think initially, like in our Kickstarter, we received a ton of support from friends and family. Like it was really amazing. It was like rapid fire. Like everyone supported like instantly, like first day. But our business changed, it's evolved. And then sometimes like you don't see that support. Or as a founder, sometimes you feel like, oh, why aren't they buying our products? They buy other similar products. You know, is it, you know, it's just something that like we're doing wrong or it's just like they don't like the product or, you know, you get all these feelings in your head as a founder, you know, it could be negative thoughts and then. There's those positive thoughts when someone posts about you randomly and people share it. And then you just hear that support. It could be like, man, I see you guys are crushing it on Instagram, like, you know, type of thing, which probably isn't always true. You know, it's just like kind of a, a facade and like it looks great, but it doesn't really truly show how the business is doing. You know, I just think any type of support is just so critical for any founder, especially bootstrap founders, where they're like, they're trying so hard to make things happen. They don't have all the funding in the world to do all the marketing that like bigger companies or funded companies can do. So that little gesture of like buying the product or sharing with a friend or posting on Instagram or whatever it is, just encouraging them. Like it means so much to the founder. Like they, people don't really know how important that is. Like if a founder, if you buy their product, they will remember that for the rest of their life. Like it will never leave their head like, oh, wow, they supported me. They're not even like my best friend. They just bought our product. And like, you know, you, if they ever started something, that founder will 100% support them. And that's the thing is like, I would just suggest anyone just think about that. Like, would you want someone to support you? Like when you're going through like a really hard time, like starting a business? And the answer would be like, yes, like I would love that. So I just think people need to sometimes just help out a little bit if it's posting or buying or whatever it is. 
or just even writing an email saying, Hey, I love the product or I love like that. All those thoughts that we have and we typically only give feedback when it's negative as a society, like going and giving that positive feedback, because to your point, like starting a business is a grind and you know, anyone listening who has started their own business or is thinking about it. A lot of times you feel like, you know, you're pushing a rock uphill and you're going at it alone. And sometimes it's nice just to like have a little hand on your back as well, a little like help, or just to know that you're not actually out there alone because you're sitting there looking at spreadsheets and looking at cogs and what retailers we want to get into. And it's 1130 at night on a Tuesday and (laughs) it start to feel like a pretty big weight, like pushing down on you. Oh, it's crazy. And then you get a message that's like, Hey, you know what? I, whatever. My dad switched from M&Ms to Nutsola and he's loving it. And you know, his cholesterol's dropped and he's going for more walks or something. And next thing you know, you're like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. You know? Yeah. It's a hard thing for a founder. There's so many, when they say there's so many ups and downs, like it could go, you could be on like an hourly basis where like one moment you feel great. Like you just got the sale, you know, things are looking up, but then all of a sudden you don't hear back from someone you've been reaching out and it's like, you're fighting so hard to like get this business and it like doesn't happen. Then it's like everything's coming down. You know, it's like before you go to sleep, million things in your head, like how do you sleep? It is a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. I think too, like that's where emotional stability a lot of times I think is earned. You know, it's like through the fire where you're like, okay, I've been here before. I've seen it before. I know this going to come. I know I'm going to see the other side of it and I'll be okay. And being able to kind of like, yeah, keep that mindset, you know, or keep the, that feeling. I felt that definitely now I'm in year 11 and it's like, okay, I've seen this before. You know, I'm, it's not my first time that punch. It's not like a boxer. The first time they see a jab, they eat it. The next time they see it, they're able to slip. It's like, okay, the slips and counters are getting a little bit better 100%. <laughs> as time goes on. You know, I think sports helped a lot. Like growing up, just playing every sport, realizing the ups and downs, the competitiveness, just knowing that you're always going to like, you're never going to give up. Like that mentality, even though when you have downtimes, like that's, that's really critical. It's huge. I think that there's a a massive opportunity for founders, honestly, anybody to get into what I would call like performance mental health. We have a lot of support right now for mental health and therapy and all these things. But one of the things that I got exposed to in my early twenties was sports psychology and they brought it into our college team and they brought sports psychologists in and taught us how to deal with loss and how to, how to also deal with winning. Like don't get too high when you win and like, all of these things that was like, whoa, I didn't realize how foundational that would be in business to just being able to cope with things, you know, and understanding now, like I remember I was playing for instance, and whatever, we had a crowd there and there's 5,000 people watching our high school game. And the person's like, you're never going to have 5,000 people in a professional world watching your every move. Like it's never going to be as much pressure as you had when you're 18. So like, take a deep breath. It's okay. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> right? It's like, really funny it, to me. It's like, and I've always been about, I'm a very self-aware person, like in terms of like, uh, you know, I do think like what people are thinking about me and my brand, like all day. When you're little playing sports, you never think about anything. You just play, right? Yep. But as you get older, like in high school, you start thinking like, wow, like I messed up. I didn't get that runner home. I struck out like in the last, last at bat, you know, like those things become so mental. And then you think about it in your head over and over and over again until that next time where you get out, you get to play or you get to free your mind somehow. I just remember how that's always been something with me where sports psychology is just so critical because in those moments, you're going to react different when you get older or you see if you experience failure like you didn't when you were a kid. Baseball is a great analogy, right? It's It's been said on many podcasts and everything, but it's the one sport where you fail 70% of the time and you go to the Hall of Fame. And yeah. it's like, I think that that 
Tom Brady, you know, misses 40% of his passes over his career. And it's like, I think we forget that. You can look at other things. Drake, I think Drake has 50 songs that have made the top 100. He's made like 400 songs. Majority of his songs are not hits, you know? And it's like, oh yeah, like we need to just check ourselves and it's okay to like not have to hit a home run every week, you know, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> pick up some singles, strike out. Yeah. Like baseball, like you're very much alone a lot. You're either on a lone mm-hmm. field, you're by yourself at that. If you're playing a really fast paced sport, football, basketball, depending on the position, I feel like you don't think as much, it's more reaction. You know, when you're a founder, you're by yourself for years. I mean, I'm talking about like 2017, I really, or 2018, I started like working on it, you know, just like with my other job. And now it's like, I'm alone long parts of my all day. For me, you know, you're thinking all day long. You're in your own, you could be in your own head. So like the mental health is really, it's important. I would say my grandma helped me out a lot. This is my, I'm actually at my grandma's house now. And she, you know, I was working all day from, you know, 8 a.m., 8 p.m., just nonstop on my desk. This was during COVID. And I just like wasn't healthy. I have a healthy brand. I eat healthy all the time, but like I just wasn't active. I wasn't freeing my mind. So working out to me is like the most important thing, you know, eating healthy is right there but like just bring your mind going to the gym playing basketball just lifting weights get your mind off work like you can't be productive all day long like your brain just doesn't work that way you know this also gives me a a springboard and a topic i want to address which is like i think for founders uncoupling your entire self-worth from the business's success and what i mean by that having other things in your life that make up your personality right because you're allowed to like be into basketball as a founder. You're allowed to go to piano lessons. You're allowed to be into cooking. It becomes, we're in this over-optimized world where I'll just door dash everything and I'll get my laundry done for me and I'll pay a cleaner to come. So now I don't have any other activities that like drive self-worth and validation outside of my business. So when it's all on my business, that's a stressful place to be as a, like an individual, you know? So I'm with you on like, I've had those moments in the dark and the only way I've combated that is like getting back to things I like, yeah, like fitness and things like that. And being like, oh, I'm allowed to go do that. I can take it one day a week. Like I do one day a week where I don't work, right? And I, I nothing work related. And it's Saturdays. I've had that rule for like the last five years. It honestly helped me. Just like, I don't care if it's burning down, man. I'm, it can't be my that. identity, <laughs> you know? No, you need to free your mind. You speak with founders who sell their company and then they're feeling empty after. And I'm like, oh, the other facets of life were erased, you know, in as in aspiration of growing the company, which I get for some people, you got to do that. But yeah, that's definitely the chart. The path I want to chart is one that has some other value markers for myself. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, my thing, like I, my brain doesn't work that well. It's like I'm doing work all day. Like you might think like, oh, I'm going to be really productive at like 8 p.m. You know, I'm going to start you know, I've been working all day. Like if you're not productive and you're just sitting there like trying to do work, but it's like you're procrastinating like that's doesn't do anything. You know, you're wasting time. So like, instead of that time where you think you're working, you know, you put this on yourself, like you have to be at your desk, you have to be working. But like, instead, just go to the gym, you could pick up where you left off, like later in the night or tomorrow, it's not going to affect you. You know, it's not going to affect your business. And you might get a thought on the treadmill too. You never know in that car ride home, yeah. whatever, you might have a thought that, that sparks, right? So I'm with you. You might meet someone, you know, you never know, like, go out, like network with people. You know, you 100%. don't have to be doing work all day long. You could be more efficient with your hours, you know, be more focused. Like those are things you can improve upon. And, you know, if you work really efficiently for a short period of time, get everything you have to do done, like put a checklist every morning. This is the main things you want to get done. And then after that, like, you know, do whatever. 
that's going to make you more productive because you're setting goals every day that you have to hit. Otherwise, you're kind of scattered doing, trying to do a million things, you know, which is hard. Yeah, it's that transition from worshiping productivity to worshiping efficiency, right? Productivity is how can I get the most out of every hour, all hours of the day. I have 12 hours. I need to listen to a podcast at 3x speed while on the treadmill, while cooking, right? And like yeah. just nonsense <laughs> no. versus yeah, that, like, that's ridiculous. Okay, how, yeah. how do I just, you know, really absorb this podcast material properly? Exactly. Cliff notes. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, Adam, this has been awesome, man. For anybody who wants to, you know, one, connect with you online and then two, find uh, Nutsola, where should they go? Yeah, I respond to everyone on Instagram. So if you follow us at Nutsola Official, someone took our name, so we had to add that. Or you can um, add me on LinkedIn, just Adam Kukov. You know, would love to talk to whoever, you know, connect. Uh, you can learn from each other. So yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. I'll put links to both those in the show notes page too. So wherever you're listening, you can go check out Nutsola. Um, we'll put their IG on there and I'll also put Adam's LinkedIn so you can go connect with him. Especially if you're in the CPG space, I know some of y'all listening are, go give him a little LinkedIn request. Adam, thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. Beauty. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, the agreement. You've listened to the show. You've enjoyed it. Hit that like, the share, subscribe. All those buttons at the bottom of your app, they help us climb the charts. And I'll catch you next time. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Cheers.